Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, it's time for How To, where we offer some advice on the sorts of decisions we don't make every day. Today, it's How To Foster A Child. Catherine Bond is CEO of the Irish Foster Care Association. Good afternoon, Catherine. Good afternoon, John. And thanks for coming into us today. Now, the, the... I suppose best is to start before we go into the ins and outs of becoming a foster parent. The uh, what places a child in that kind of situation that they have to go into mm-hmm. care. So it's 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 an owner's decision to bring a child into the care of the state, and uh, the reasons why children are brought into care is because often their own parents can't care for them. There may be um, abuse or neglect. Um, sometimes. Uh, you know, parents will just come work with the social work team and agree that having their child in the care of a foster carer might be the best for them and for their child, but they will continue obviously to be their parent. Um, so that's the first step that will bring a child into care. A decision is made by Tusla, having ex- exhausted all avenues of family support in the first instance to always try and keep children living with their own families. But where that's not possible, and sometimes it's not possible, then a decision is made to bring a child into care. Um, that's that's governed by the Child Care Act 1991. And uh, there are two types of care uh, that children come in. Well, there's a number of types, but um, generally the vast majority of children in the care of Ar- in Ireland, in the state in Ireland, are on voluntary care orders. That means their own parents consent for them to come into okay. care, but their own parents continue to be the legal guardians of those children. And then there are care orders by, directed by the court where uh, Tusla becomes the corporate parent of that child. OK, the corporate parent. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, yeah, I suppose that's, yeah, to, it's a legal distinction. It kind of, mm-hmm. sounds kind of scary, though. And will they, do you have to go to court to get, to, to get that? Tusla would, yeah. would have to seek a court order for that yeah. to happen. Yes. Yeah. And in all cases, will those children go to foster families? At the moment, 90% of the children in the care of the state, uh, there's just under 6,000 children in the care of the state at the moment and 90% of those are living in foster care families, which is very, it's it's quite a good news story in Western Europe that the vast majority of our children in care are growing up in foster care families. So we've mm. got very good outcomes in that respect. Yeah, d- does, does that imply we have enough foster parents at the moment or is there... There is always a need for foster carers because there's always children coming into care. And um, if you have a child coming into care today and they're matched with a foster care parent, that means there's one foster care parent less. And there's more than likely a child coming into care within the rest of the week or next week. So there's always a need. And then there's foster carers who are actually retiring and coming to retirement age. And some people... Uh, might just see their last child turn 18 or 23 um, because most of the young people stay living with the foster care families into adulthood. Um, and so they're, they're, that child becomes part of their life and then they don't take any more new foster mm. care children. Yeah. So there's always a need. Yeah, is it? And uh, now in the case of siblings... Do, do, do the siblings tend, I, I assume that the, the, the hope at least is that siblings would go to one family. It's the optimum that siblings w- would go together and, and there are a number of members within the Irish Foster Care Association that would have sibling groups living, you know, it's, it's the optimum 
that where children have brothers and sisters that they're placed together. It's not always the case, uh, but where that's not the case, it's important to work it so between the social work teams that they get to see as much of each other as possible with their parents. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and in terms of the contact with the parents and or siblings, if unhappily they're not all in, in the same location, is there a requirement of how often that has to be? Or? So what happens is when a child is taken into care, there's what's developed is a care plan for that child and that's, that sets out the needs of the child and what are, what's required to meet the needs of that child. And uh, contact with their family and their birth family is really important. Um, and uh, as much contact as possible because, you know, family is really important to, to mm. everybody in life. And so children need to see their, their parents. Um, that's generally agreed um, on the child's care plan. And it can, can sometimes uh, contact with families can be directed by the court, the frequency. Um, and, uh, and then agreements are made as to the location. Um, that's suitable for everybody involved because foster care, foster parents have to bring um, children to contact with their families whilst they're juggling their own children's yes, needs, course, you know, football yeah. and soccer mm. and all the rest. Uh, do I take it from that then that when there is contact, generally speaking, it doesn't happen in the foster care home? No, it generally there uh, it can take place. Uh, Tusla has a number of access centres around the country um, and they're like family friendly environments where children meet with their own parents um, and they tend, they don't take place in the foster care home. No. Yeah. OK, so if someone listening and no doubt mm. there are people listening, mm. it's wandered through their mind to do it. What's the first step in the process? I think the first step is always that, as just you just said there, as people think about it and they think about it, they might see an advertisement and they might say, oh, I might do that sometime. And then the next time they might see an advertisement, they're ready. Mm. Um, the experience is, is that the vast majority of people come forward perhaps when their youngest has maybe gone into, you know, into transition year or, head, you know, that's the last one in the family and they think, you know, we're not ready to hang up our parenting boots just yet. We want, you know, we want to give back more. We want to give back to society. Um, and uh, so the first thing is to pick up the phone or do a little bit of research, I think, is the best way. There is, um, Tussle has an excellent website in terms of um, uh, information for prospective foster carers. The Irish Foster Care Association has comprehensive information on our website. That's www.ifca. Uh, .ie. We also have a national helpline and a chat function attached to that. So somebody could just be sitting down in their home at the evening time and bang off a text to say, I'd like to talk, you know, about to somebody about fostering. I'm thinking about it. Uh, fact check, I think, is really important. And speak to other foster carers. That's the most important aspect. If you know somebody who's fostering, speak to them. Mm. The vast majority of foster carers come into fostering because they know somebody who's fostering yes. and they, they see it firsthand. Um, so that's I think fact checking is the first thing. And then when you do pick up the phone um, and that's that's a contact with Tusla or there are a number of private fostering agencies as well. Um, and you can pick up the phone to them and then a social worker will come out and give you more information about it. And then if you want to start the journey and it is a journey, um, you start on an, a formal assessment to become a foster carer. OK, right. So, I, and I imagine for pretty obvious reasons, the assessment has to be quite rigorous. It's absolutely rigorous and can take a minimum of six months to a maximum, of, you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, the assessment covers, um, so if you have like a family with a number of children in it, uh, the assessment, the assessing social worker will speak to, you know, uh, the individuals involved and, um, 
and foster carers they can be you know single people come forward to be foster carers they can be same sex couples um, they can be retired people you know they can, they can be arranged from a range of walks of life it's not your heterogeneous mm. family mm. Um, uh, so generally it's yeah you start the process you start the assessment and that walks you through I suppose your life experiences what brought you to this decision your motivation for fostering what you can give to a child can you welcome that child into your whole family and make them part of your family? How does that going to look, impact on your own children? So people are uh, said so they're they're spoken to um, individually if they're in a couple. They're spoken to as a couple. Uh, the children in the family are spoken to, and then it is oh, a journey. individually as well. It's, it is yeah, it's it's really uh, rigorous and robust, and it it needs to be because what mm. what the social, assessing social worker is looking for is. Um, the, how robust is this family in a sense to to bring a, another child into their home and a child who's had maybe early life adversities um, and who will bring them with them as well. Mm. So it, it's really checking to see how resilient is this family, I suppose, is the yeah. ultimate. The, and, and, and part of that would be to see how the, the, the children are already there, the children of that family, how they're doing. Yes, and as part of those checks, um, the children's school, you know, the school, children's school reports will be sought, um, references will be sought uh, for the individuals who are putting themselves forward, guarded checks, health checks, income checks, a check on the family home where mm. the child is being um, brought into uh, if, if the foster carers are approved, um, health and safety checks, um, even down to um, if there's a dog in the family, there's what's known as a, di- a dangerous dogs list. Uh, so dogs that might have a propensity to attack uh, mm. a child. Um, and so there is a dangerous dogs list. And, if you know, it's, it's a, you know, is it suitable to bring a child into a do- into a house if there's dogs and how are the dogs and um, it, it's so literally everything is covered off in the assessment and it is a journey people walk the walk and during that process some you know people may select in continue to select in or select out mm. and the assessing social worker may do the same as well right yes. okay uh, when when you say references uh, um who would one bring uh, get references from? It could be uh, your employer. It could be um, your, you know, your very good friends or uh, your, you know, member of your family. Um, somebody who knows you well mm. um, and uh, somebody who knows what you're like as a family. Uh, that's really important. Or what you're like as an individual, your attributes, you know, what, what attributes do you have to care for a child? Can you um, give this child lots of love? And, and security, uh, but also one of the aspects of the assessment is is can you also let this child go because yeah. children in voluntary care mm. can go home, mm. and and that can be quite challenging for people emotionally. Yeah. So it it does require uh, lots of those conversations about well what would that look like if um, the, the assessment also looks at how resilient people are. What what what's your own life story? Uh, what adversities have you? overcome they're not you know it's not looking for the perfect family yeah but it's looking to see what are the the traits and characteristics that you have that could really um, meet the whole needs of a child coming into foster care yeah is there training then provided one because particularly that part of it that you know kind of i suppose almost managing our expectations you you know you do want to give Mm -hmm. 
make this child feel they're at home and give them love, mm-hmm. but at the same time be prepared to let them go. That's well, difficult. training is really yeah. critical, and training forms part of the foster care assessment as well. And um, it's a prescribed training that's been developed by the Irish Foster Care Association, and it's delivered jointly by a social worker and an experienced foster carer. Because you want to bring the real life experience of foster care into the room with, with people thinking um, about uh, becoming foster carers. So it is, yeah, it's very kind of rounded and, and the training is developed over the, you know, it's delivered in different ways in different areas, but it can be as part of the assessment process. So you have your interviews, you do a little bit of training, you go away and think about it. Um, you might come back and then you, you've more questions about it. Mm. Um, sometimes the assessment is completed and then training takes place. But it, it it's all, it's, a, it's I suppose, an environment created to give information, receive information, ask for information, take away more information. And it really and truly is a journey that um, everybody arrives at the destination fully informed, yes, that this uh, applicant as a you know potential foster carer will really do a fantastic job and give a lovely home, secure home to a child um, and the social worker is satisfied that that family is ready to receive a child. Yeah, because I imagine if, if it's for the first, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be for the first time for the child, but a child who's separated mm-hmm. from their family is already a bit traumatised and there may well be other things they're traumatised about as well. So, the, you know, the, the foster family, especially if they're a first time family, kind of need to know how to handle or some broad strokes yes. on how to handle this kind yeah, of situation. And, and that's why supporting foster carers is really essential. It's not a job you do on your own. It's not a task you take on your own in isolation. You you need to be considered and be part of the fostering team. And that includes the social work, the fostering team and the, the wider social work team for every child that comes into care. Um, they have their own allocated social worker. And for every foster carer um, that's fostering, they should have their own allocated social worker. And that's what's really important about an organisation like the Irish Foster Care Association, who provides support, training and support for foster carers uh, through our helpline, through our national advocacy service. Um, And then training and development that brings groups of foster carers together so they have joint learning. Um, Tusla would also provide uh, training at, at local areas, but it's not a task you do on your own. And one of the assess- one of the aspects of the assessment is, is can you work as part of this team? Mm. Because you don't want lone rangers out there. Just <laughs> no the one best, yes. Yeah. So you, you need to be able to uh, take instructions and take directions um, unequivocally at times mm. and to, um, to, to work with the social work team all in the best interest of the child coming into your home. Uh, the, the access to social workers, is, is, is that satisfactory? It's a I challenge it at way. the moment, as everybody would be aware, mm. um, and Tusla are continuing to recruit social workers. Um, but the turnover is um, is high at present. Um, some areas are more settled than others. Um, uh, but it, 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 is, it is a really challenge. But... Um, like at local Tusla areas, they, they have strategies to support foster carers if they don't have enough social workers. Mm. Um, and again, foster carers always have access to the Irish Foster Care Association's helpline. Uh, but the most important thing is that nobody should ever feel like you're doing this in isolation. Yes. Now, as you said, we always need new foster carers. But are there parts of the country where it's needed more than others? I think at the moment it's pretty even spread. Mm. Um, mm. Um, there is, um, I mean, 
there's always a need for foster carers and there's always foster carers leaving the system. So sometimes, they, you know, you might recruit foster carers, but because people are leaving the system, they balance out. So, it, you know, while yeah. it looks like a gain, it's actually... It can be a loss sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Right. Uh, A couple of questions from some of the listeners. I'm a single woman in my early 40s. I never got to have children, even though I always wanted to. Life just didn't work out that way. Would I be considered for a foster child or do you have to have a partner and support service around you as a new foster parent? Single people can can apply to become foster carers and the same assessment process would apply um, to to anybody coming forward. Um, It's always good to have a support network around you as well, like Mm. wider, broader family and friends, because that would be looked at as part of the fostering assessment. As I said, you can't be doing this alone in isolation, but certainly uh, somebody who's single and 40 and thinking about fostering um, could apply. Yeah, though. Would not having any parenting experience kind of count against you a bit? No, not necessarily, because then those those individual um, gaps, I suppose, would be addressed in the in the fostering assessment, and then the supports would be put put in place. Mm. There's been there are lots of children placed very successfully with um, single individuals. Okay. Uh, what if the placement doesn't work out uh, and for whatever reason the foster family doesn't want to keep the child in their home anymore? What happens then? Well, that's why it's so important for the assessment process to be so robust because that's not a situation that you want to end up in. Mm. When you're placing a child, you want to give this child security. Um, so it's really, that's why the the assessment process, it, it's so important that somebody, you know, concluding their journey make the decision yes this is for us because you want people to be committed to the to yes. uh, to the child and it's not good to move children frequently it's not good for children oh no i got I, I, mm. I would imagine not and it's i suppose in that respect as well there the, you know there's going to be kids who have far more challenges and then there's mm. a process of matching mm. children to various families maybe based on the amount of experience mm. they have and they've dealt with kids like that before. Yeah, that's a very important aspect of the, the, the process. It's around, um, so the child social worker uh, knows the needs of this child intimately and uh, the fostering uh, team might have a foster care coming you know, through the process um, and it is matching is an essential part of the process because obviously you don't want to put a child with high levels of needs with a brand new foster carer mm. um, and you need foster carers um, who are, you know, ready and willing to take on a child but with high levels of support in those early days. So the early days of a foster care placement are critical that foster carers can feel they can pick up the phone uh, to their linked social worker and or seek support um, so match the, the matching of the child's needs with the capabilities of, of the foster prospective foster carer are essential. Uh, and during that matching period, uh, is it the case that the foster family are contacted and said, well, we have this child and then they give a yes or no, perhaps? to it's us Generally, or? generally uh, the, the social workers will speak to the foster carers mm. and say, well, you know, we have like a five year old, you know, um, is that you know something that you a child at that age you could take on? Um, now that's the ideal situation, but the, given the fact that the 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 system is under so much <coughs> pressure at the moment, um, you know, a child might be needing a, a placement today. Oh God! And yeah. and so the child would be you know everybody will be working really hard to make sure the foster carers have have enough information 
the child is placed and then when the placement settles down, then a really good match will, will take place in terms of now the child is there. How could we support the needs of that child? And, and, and how do we support the, par- the foster parents to support the needs of that child in the placement? And would the foster family have a rough idea of how long the child... I know it's a bit of a how long is a piece mm. of string, but how long they might be staying with them? In general, the vast majority of children in Ireland who are in voluntary care orders are in long-term foster care placements. Mm. So foster care placements are considered to be short-term if they're less than six months and long-term if they're longer than six months. Um, foster carers, when they're assessed... Are, they're generally approved to be a short-term foster carer and a long-term foster carer. Um, and they're asked, but there's other types of fostering as well. There's respite fostering, there's emergency fostering, there's supported lodgings, lodgings fostering. Um, generally, foster carers are requested to, uh, they're approved, or they're applied for and approved approved um, as being long and short, long, short and long-term foster carers. Mm. So if the child comes in uh, for six months, the placement will be for six months, um, and hopefully the objective would be the child would go home, that things would settle down at home for that child and for their own family. Um, but if that's not the case, there would be an expectation that the child would stay with that family. So we see foster carers, the vast majority of foster carers have children they with them to the age of, as I said earlier on, 18 yeah, and beyond. Yeah. Uh, many children grow up to see that they're just part of that family. Um, children... Um, leave care officially when they're 18 years of age, uh, which is the legal age of adulthood. However, they stay in what they move into what's called as an aftercare service until the age of 23. And many of them are continuing to live with the foster care families, you know, taking up jobs or going to college or further education. Is there actually, just strikes me, that that there's... is there other age limits here? Obviously, there would be a lower age limit, mm. but but is it if you're of retirement age, are you kind of out of the running? Or I suppose the way it the work? way it's looked at is that the, the there isn't a, speci- a defined age limit. Mm. Well, obviously, you have to be over the age of eighteen. Yes, of course. Yes, <laughs> um, but there isn't an upper age limit. But what the social work team are looking for is like, can you potentially give the care for this child in you know now and into the future? Mm. Yeah, and and that's what that would be covered in in the assessment period in the assessment process. Yes, yeah. Uh, actually, another question. I suppose I'm 28. My partner is 32. We have a four year old son. Both work 35 to 40 hours a week. We would love to foster. Would fostering be possible for us? Now, I suppose that might be a common scenario where actually the daytime caring mm. is actually somebody else. It's 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 maybe going to childcare or something like that. Well, I, everything comes back to the needs of the child coming into care. And the needs of children coming into care can be many. Yes. And yes. they might require lots of um, visits to, you know, therapy specialists, access with their family. So th- the language that's used is you need to be available to meet the needs of this child. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the question that you need to be able to ask yourself. Would you be available, for instance, if to bring a child to for contact with their parents uh, twice a week? Um, would you be available to uh, bring them to their therapies? I know some foster carers and the children have such um, needs that they might drop them off to school and then 30 minutes later they get a call from the school not having a good day, think best if you went home. So I suppose that they're the questions you always need to answer for yourself 
Mm, yes, uh, indeed. Now, the, the, some people are asking, do you get paid to foster? But I assume it's not called pay. It's, it's, it's expensive. Not paid. There's, yeah. a, there's a, an allowance for the child mm. of €325 Euros for a child under the age of 12 and €352 Euros for a child over the age of 12. But the allowance is for the living needs of the child. So foster carers do not get paid. Um, uh, and but the the allowance is is to cover all of the the needs of the child, and that can that can you know um, cover having a roof over their head. Mm, of um, course, yeah. Uh, but as everybody knows, with children, it's costly. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. They 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 yeah. suck the money out here, all right? Catherine, I could keep talking to you for the next hour and a half, but unfortunately, we've uh, run out of time. Thank you so much Thank for coming into us today. Uh, that was Catherine Bond, there, CEO of the Irish Foster Care Association. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.